Hey everyone, it's Wilson Cochran, one of the executive pastors of Air Northwest. Thanks for tuning in to hear my message from this last Sunday. We're in a series called God's Guidance, and I was giving message number two, titled Favor with God and Man. In this message, I just dive into what does it look like to have favor with both God and man when we're making big decisions in life and when we're seeking guidance. So I hope you enjoy it. All right. So do we have any Office fans in the house? Come on. My favorite people here. Hey, my name is Wilson. Um, who can relate to Michael? No, don't admit it. Don't raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. That's never someone you want to admit to relating with. So we're in a series right now called God's Guidance. Today is part two, and the title of my message is Favor with God and Man. I don't want to take that clip, like, you know, too far, but the, the, the kind of thought I'm, that I want to launch from into my message is Michael is us, okay? Michael is the character driving that drove into the lake, and for some reason, he resisted good advice. He resisted obvious direction from both a human and the GPS. And we can all relate to that, right? Having made a decision we regret. And in hindsight, usually we see that there is actually good counsel and good advice around us. Um, so I just want to talk about that this morning, okay? When making decisions, how we can have favor with God and man. Let me pray before I start. Father, thank you so much that... Uh, you. You want to speak to us. And thank you that you're committed to our success in life and that you, you, you um, give us every opportunity to be successful. So I just pray that right now our ears would be open to you and our hearts would be um, soft to you and that there just be takeaways for us, Lord, this morning that set us up to make great decisions in life and to teach other people to make good decisions. That's one of the things I feel like God is going to do this morning is not only give us good principles for decision-making, but kind of like give, prepare you to advise other people on how to make good decisions and how to find God's guidance. So Lord, will you just release that and do that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so in a second, I wanna read you guys a short passage from the book of Acts. But before I do that, I wanna give you a little bit of context. We're picking up in Acts 13, and we're gonna focus in on two characters named Barnabas and Saul. Now, this person that I just refer to as Saul, many of you guys probably know him more frequently as the name Paul. One of the most famous characters in the entire Bible, the Apostle Paul. And the po Apostle Paul's deal was he was raised to be this like brilliant Jewish uh, rabbi and scholar. And basically like, he, literally he would have had the entire Old Testament memorized by the age of like 12 or something, like at an early age. He was just trained like in an intense environment to know God's word and to, um, yeah, to be able to teach others about God's word. Well, the apostle Saul, he has, he, after Jesus comes on the scene, Saul actually persecutes Jesus's followers. He thinks that Jesus wasn't really God and he thinks that his followers have all been deceived. So Saul is persecuting the church. And when I say persecuting, I mean, he is literally killing people. He's going to people that say Jesus is God and he's, in, and he's murdering them and he's leading other people in that same type of behavior. Well, early on in this book of Acts, Saul has this incredible encounter with Jesus himself 
and he realizes that he's been totally blind, totally wrong in all of his actions. And he then gets commissioned by Jesus into this ministry to actually go share about Jesus and share about God to, the, to everyone, but in particular, people who are not Jews. So, so Paul receives this ministry from Jesus to go and share the gospel message with this whole people group who um, have never been raised in an environment where they knew Yahweh. You know, like the earth was created and God chose to reveal himself to a person named Abraham. And then Abraham, he had a whole line of descendants that would become the Israelite nation. And those were all the people that followed God and had an actual revelation of who God was. The same time that Abraham and the, and the Jews, well, they're not the Jews yet, but that the nation of Israel is being raised and developed, you realize that there's like, you know, hundreds of thousands, I don't know when the earth's population reached a million or whatever, but there's hundreds of thousands of people on the earth who actually do not follow God and do not know Yahweh. You tracking with me? So like, there wasn't an equal opportunity from the beginning of time necessarily for everyone to find out about Yahweh, but God wanted his nation, Israel, to actually go and bless other nations and teach other nations about himself. So like God's plan was always, I would raise up a people for myself that I would then use as a bridge to reach the rest of the world. It's tempting for me to go back even one, one more step right now and like share even more of the kind of big picture that's going on. But for our purposes this morning, those are like the concepts you gotta latch onto. God has the nation of Israel through the person of Abraham, and then the rest of the world is lost. All right, you following me? Paul, he is like the most brilliant of all Israelites to ever live, and he misses that Jesus comes to earth as the Son of God. He misses that. <laughs> but God gets him still. He has this dramatic encounter. He has a vision of Jesus. Jesus appears to him and kind of straightens things out for him and then commissions him to go and share the gospel with the rest of the world, a.k.a. Gentiles, people who don't know God yet, who aren't Israelites, who aren't Jews. And that happens early on in the book of Acts, okay? What I'm about to read is Acts chapter 13, which is about 13 years after Paul has that encounter on the road to Damascus with Jesus Christ. You following me? So Paul has this encounter with Jesus, and then 13 years later, he's about 44 years old, and this is where we're picking up in the book of Acts, all right? Acts 13, verse one. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had John to assist them. All right, I wanna, I'm going to pull some things out of here about how we find God's guidance. But first, something just really cool I learned recently is, if you're familiar with the story of Jesus and you've been following the way of Jesus, you've probably heard the story of Jesus carrying the cross to go be crucified. And you know the part in that story where Jesus can't carry the cross anymore physically? He's been so whipped, so beaten, so mutilated that he can't even carry the cross anymore. And they grab some random dude in their car and they're like, hey, you're going to carry his cross. You guys know that story? If you don't, now you do. 
so many scholars and so many historians, they think that this guy, Simeon, who was called Niger, is that man. They think that's who that guy was. And Paul actually references him several times throughout his letters and his family. So isn't that just interesting? That there's like real stuff, like the Bible is not this like sterile document that you can just put off to the side and was edited and stuff like that. It was like living and active and these people like lived in the same circles, you know? So I think that's just so cool. But here's the thing I wanna pull out of this passage that just I love so much. Let's go to the next slide that has it broken down. Here's what it says in verse four, or verse three first, sorry. Then after fasting and praying, they, and then I just list out people to really emphasize here, there's people involved, Simeon, Lucius, other members of the church, laid their hands on them and sent them off. So what's happening right there? Human beings, people, inspired by God are recognizing a call and a mission and a task on someone's life and they're laying their hands on them and they're saying, this is what you're supposed to do. We believe this is your call. We are in support of you. Go do it. And it it says, literally, these are the words it says, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So who sent Paul, Paul and Barnabas off? Barnabas and Saul. Those guys, right? But then look at verse four. So, verse four says this, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Verse three says it like this, they, meaning the people in the church, laid their hands on them and sent them off. And then verse four, right away, right after it says this, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Which is it? <laughs> right? It's both. And here's what I want to say. We have a tendency to go to one extreme. The world, unbelievers, people who don't know God, obviously God's not even a factor in them being sent out. They're not going to stop and pray and ask the Lord for wisdom and guidance. Now, God still speaks to people who aren't saved and who aren't in relationship with them and actually directs them. That happens. But they're not aware that that's what's happening. Right? You know, for all they know, they're just being sent out by themselves. They ask a friend for advice. They ask a parent for advice. They ask a mentor for advice. And they go do whatever they want to do. That's wrong, right? Like, if you're making a big decision, it's best to get God's input. <laughs> Does anybody agree? Well, check it out. I'm going to throw a stone at myself and the church right now. You know what the church does? We say, I don't need any, any person to send me off. God is sending me off. We say, I'm doing what God told me to. This is what the Lord said. I'm being sent by the Holy Spirit. And we're like, I don't, I don't need man. I'm not trying to, I don't need to please man, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I have been, I have done this. Okay. I'm not like trying to call some individual out right now. When I, when I was in um, my college years, when I was like 20 in my 18, 19, 20, 21, I was on staff with a missions organization called Youth with a Mission, YWAM. And it was down in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, that is where I really got a heart for God. That's where I caught fire for the Lord and I started really going after him. And really that's when I received him going after me, you know, cause that's where it always starts. God's going after you. And then you finally are just like, okay, I'll go with it, Lord. So I finally was like, okay, I'll go with the Lord, which must've been pretty frustrating for my parents who planted this church and have been going after the Lord their whole life. Um, 
But I'm down there and I'm getting discipled and I have two amazing spiritual parents, Mark and Janet Baxter, pouring their life into me. I mean, pouring into me. They had plans for me and everything. And I really realized and I felt clearly from discerning with my parents and from discerning with um, like my family and just praying that I was supposed to leave the YWAM base. I was supposed to go back to Cincinnati, move back home and go to college and start uh, pursuing a degree in Arabic and international affairs because I wanted to go to the Middle East as a missionary. Well, I set up a meeting with Mark and Janet, my spiritual mentors and my, you know, these people that have loved me and kind of like fathered me and mothered me, literally, you know, like, and I just come into the meeting like, hey, I just want to let you guys know something. I decided I'm going to leave staff after this next school and I'm going to move home and I'm going to pursue this degree, you know, and they're, they're just like, you know, kind of shocked and everything. And I kind of realized at that moment, I was like, what do you guys think of that though? <laughs> like, what do you think, you know? And, and Mark very wisely was just like, hey, I'm not gonna speak against your dad. If your dad told you to do that, then that's what you should, that, we bless you, you know? We think you should do exactly what your, your parents are saying. We would have loved to speak into this. And it just hit me in that moment. I was like, I made this decision kind of like on an island, you know? There were people that, that deserved to speak into it that didn't get to. And it's not even about like that they deserved to. It was just, I was, I, I was under their covering. I was following them. They, they were my leaders. I was under their authority. And I just, it's kind of like out of, honestly, just, just for me, what it was was like, I didn't know that's what I was supposed to do. All right, like I didn't, it was a crime of ignorance, okay? Like I wasn't like trying to be defiant towards them, but I just was like, I'm gonna go do my thing, you know? And I didn't even have that in my worldview because you know, a big problem in, the, in Western society is I and me. And in the church, submit is a four letter word. In the church to submit, that goes against all of the America that we've been raised with, you know? <laughs> All of that that's been put in us, man, to submit to people, that's like, no way, land of the free, home of the brave. You know, like, I'm gonna do this. I, I can make my dreams come true. I can do whatever I want. I can be everything I wanna be. I, 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 I. That's what we're kind of like, that's, we're inundated with that message. And it's a good one, okay? Like, we are a nation that's full of people that dream, and we're a nation that's full of people that know we have something to give the world and, and that we can, um, we have something to offer. All that comes from that strong sense of worth and power and everything like that. But it can go too far when, it, it can just go too far. You guys following me? Yeah. Okay. So what I want to say is this, when we're making, th this is the big idea of my message today. It is wise to seek favor from God and man. It is wise to seek to have favor with God and man. Now I'm gonna break that down. I'm gonna talk about how it can get unhealthy because it can turn into control, you know? Like trying to find favor with people can really turn it, it's, it, it, it can be unhealthy, but it can also be healthy. So we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? Like it can actually be a really good thing for our life. It can be a really positive thing to seek to find favor with people. And, and I'm gonna tell you the right people, okay? Not the wrong people, <laughs> but the right people. And at the same time, we have to have this like radical obedience to Jesus. 
that whatever Jesus says, whatever his word says, we do it no matter what. No matter what. And let me tell you this. You are your main obstacle to not obeying Jesus, not other people. We are our own biggest obstacle to obeying Jesus. But what we think is like, people are trying to keep me back. They just don't understand my passion. They don't get it, man. Blah, blah, blah. No, <laughs> I have been there, okay? I am like, I have been so been there, but that's how the devil wants to deceive us. The devil wants us to think that if we get other people, if we give other people a veto card in our life, then we're not being obedient to God. And somehow that, you know, we need to always go with what God is saying no matter what. Well, guess what? You don't hear God perfectly, and neither do I. It says in um, 1 Corinthians 13 that we prophesy in part. Meaning that right now we're on this earth, we sometimes don't receive the entire revelation from the Lord. Sometimes we see it through our own lens, through our own experiences, through things that have happened to us. There's, all, there's a whole list of reasons that, that prove and that like, make it clear to us that we prophesy in part. So replace that word prophesy with hear. We hear in part also. And this is just a tension, man. Like, I don't want to undermine having confidence in the Lord's voice. We can have so much confidence. We can be so bold with God's voice. But it comes from relationship with God and relationship with man. If you let go of either one, it gets unhealthy. We need to seek to have relationship with God that guides us. But then we need to seek to have relationship with man that guides us. That man that ha that's guiding us should have good values. They should, um, a bunch of things, you know. And I'm going to say a bunch of things about God too, but. I want to pause real quick. Let's, let's look at some of the values that Paul and Barnabas shared with the people they were with, okay? In verse just go back to that big slide, Stella. Here's what it says in verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, worshiping the Lord and fasting, worshiping the Lord and fasting. Here's what I want to say. What do you think were the little daily decisions that Barnabas and Saul were making? And the, little, the daily behaviors that they were making that set them up to be trusted by God in the way that they were trusted by God. What are the little things they were doing that set them up to be sent off by God? Now, here's another thing. What were the little things that the people around them were doing that caused them to give them that level of influence in their life? Look around at the people that are in your life. Are they doing the, are they, are they ahead of you spiritually or are they behind you spiritually? If you're only ever with people who are behind you spiritually, don't. <laughs> you, you won't grow. You got, you got to get around people who are where, where you are and who are ahead of you. Primarily, you know, like that's, those are the main influence, those should be the main influences in our life are the people that are with us and that are ahead of us. Now, we need to have people that are behind us because we're called to love and influence others. And you know, people who are behind us have the same Holy Spirit that you do. So you can learn from people who are younger than you in the Lord or less mature or whatever. So don't hear what I'm not saying. But we have to like intentionally, like who are the circles of people I'm putting around me? Are they worshiping and praying and fasting? 
Are they sharing the values that I so value, that I want to um, exhibit and that I am guided by? Those are the people that I want to speak into my decisions. Those are the people that I want to influence me. And there's just so much wisdom that comes into play here. You know, like, you can't have 50 people. Like, I have so many people in my life that are spiritually ahead of me <laughs> and, and spiritually next to me that are going after it. I can't go to every single one of them and include them all the time on all of my decisions. But there's a select few who I have decided to do that with and who I do do that with. I do do. <laughs> people I do do with. No, I'm just kidding. People who I do that with. <laughs> All right? People you do do with should get to speak into your life. I'm just kidding. So there's a balance, you know, like there's just so much practical wisdom to apply here. Why does everyone start looking at my parents when I say that? Everyone's like, oh, what are Van and Lori thinking? So these were priorities for Saul and Barnabas and the people that were around, okay? These were priorities, worshiping and praying and fasting and, and community. They weren't extracurriculars or add-ons to their life. They, these people had careers, you know? Barnabas, Saul, Menaean, Lucius, si Simeon, Simon, they weren't there's no evidence here that they were career pastors, vocational ministers, okay? They weren't like, you know, me, getting paid to do praying and fasting. <laughs> they were just about it. You know that Jesus <laughs> wasn't in vocational ministry. Jesus was not hired by a synagogue or a church to go and share the gospel, to go and heal the sick. So like, the, and Jesus is the standard for all of us, right? The lifestyle of Jesus is what we all want to emulate. It's what we're all called to go after. So there's no like, there's no excuse, okay? <laughs> there's no excuse. It's not like that's not my job or something like that. Like we're all called to go after it and put God as a top priority in our life above everything else. We're all called to engage in prayer and fasting and worship and healing the sick and studying the Bible and discipling the world and loving others. That's a general calling that all of us have. And the things that pop into my mind, fasting. What does fasting do in your life? It brings focus and discipline. You know why? Because it sucks. It's the worst, okay? Why did God make food taste so good? I do not know. But fasting is so good for us. So good for us because it, it shows you you can do things you didn't know you could do. You know, like, that's what it does for me. It's like, man, I just want to eat. I love to eat. What am I going to eat next? That's something I really want to do. And then when I say, I'm not going to do that just to engage with God for a half hour during my lunch or whatever, I'm building this muscle in me that says, I can do it, man. I can do stuff that God calls me to. I can do hard things. Praying, man. Praying, it's all about intimacy with Jesus. This all comes back to a, a communion with God where we're speaking to him, where we're talking to him, where we're in relationship with him. Worshiping, they were worshiping, man. They were abiding in God's presence. They were spending time just to sit and let his presence wash over them. Who loved God's presence this morning? 
Was that awesome? Man, that's not a thing for Sundays. You can hit play on the iPod and do this in your room. You know, I remember the first time I started doing that, I felt so embarrassed and weird. Why am I worshiping alone in a room right now? But whatever, you know? And then I went to a conference a week later, or like two weeks later after I had just started for the first time in my life worshiping all on my own, and a dude um, prays for him. He goes, hey, I just felt like God said he loves the times of worship that you have had with him lately all alone. He said, the Lord just loves that. And he had no idea. I, had, I don't know this man's name. He didn't know my name. I still don't know him. Never going to see him again, probably. But he just read my mail in that moment. And I was like, dang, God loves this when I worship him on my own. So I'm going to do it more. I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> and then community. They were in community. So here are the values I'm pulling out. They were with people who were fasting. They were with people who were praying. They were with people who were worshiping. And they were in community with people. Now, community has two things. Community does two things. Number one, it gives us a mission. And it shows us that the mission isn't me, but the mission is us. When you're in community, you realize that I'm part of a team that's going forward, that's advancing the kingdom. Here's the part of community, that's the exciting part of community. Here's the part of community that because of Americanism and Westernism and blah, 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 we suck at. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. You can't have good community real authentic community without having vulnerability in your life with people around you. If you're on an island, if you don't tell people what's going on in your life, then it's not community, okay? And look, just check it out. No shame for anybody right now. If you feel bad about things I'm saying, don't, because that's not the Lord. But be edified right now. In your heart, open your heart and receive the words I'm saying and go pray about it later and journal about it later. But that's how you'll get transformed is if you listen to what I'm saying right now, you receive it and then you process it with Jesus, okay? But receive the words I'm saying. Like these are, this is, the, this is spirit and truth, okay? And it can transform you if you receive it. You need community. You need vulnerability. You need people that know what's going on, that know your darkest hour, that know your greatest hour. If you want help in your darkest hour, you gotta let people in. If you want people that are happy for you in your greatest hour, you got to let people in. There's no good community without real good vulnerability. But then there's no good mission without community. You can't do it alone. You cannot do it alone. Jesus didn't come and do a one-man show. He gathered people around him. He trained them, and they did the same thing as him. Sometimes they did things for him. You know, like they, like they did things that he wanted to do. In Luke 2, 52, here's what it says. And Jesus, everyone say Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God, period, exclamation point. No one else influenced Jesus but God. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Jesus grew in favor with God and man. Jesus grew in favor with God and he grew in favor with man. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I totally understand this. There's mystery here. Because Jesus was perfect. <laughs> Jesus um, had a full connection with God at all times. He never was on, you know, like, recharge. <laughs> he was always connected to the Lord. He never sinned. He never ran out of power. Like, there, you know, Jesus was on another level than us. But at the same time, Jesus had the Holy Spirit inside of him. And the way that he was on another level was because of his connection with the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that's in us. 
So that's an invitation to us that when our connection with the Holy Spirit is good, we look like Jesus. When our connection with the Holy Spirit is bad, we look like Adam. We look like Adam. We look like the world. We look like lost, broken humanity. But when our connection with the Holy Spirit is fed, then we, we can live and we can look just like Jesus. So, I don't understand exactly why Jesus needed favor with man. I think part of it is because he needed some level of support to accomplish his ministry. You know, like, favor with man looks like people show up when you preach. <laughs> you know, favor with man looks like there's a ton of people listening and preach on, at the Sermon on the Mount. Favor with man means that everyone throws their coats down and... Um, worships him as he comes in on a donkey to be crucified. You know, all that's favor with man. But here's another instance of favor with man that blew my mind that I noticed this morning. This isn't gonna be on the screen, but it's John 2. Check this out. This is, I think, an example of Jesus having favor with man. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Uh-oh, mom's here. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. And then he does the thing she told him to do. <laughs> that he just told her, no. He said, nope, that's not, I, not the time, mom. And he, and she says, boy, <laughs> you're letting the fact that you're the son of God go to your head. <laughs> I am still your mother. You will not embarrass me in this, at this party I'm at. I've been telling everyone you're gonna turn the water into wine. You will turn this water into wine. Do whatever he says. <laughs> and he does it and he turns water into wine. I think this is an example of Jesus, okay, we don't know what would have happened if Jesus, if his mother hadn't challenged him to do it. We don't know. Maybe it still would have happened. Maybe it wouldn't have. I don't know. But I know that Jesus was influenced by another person right here, okay? He was influenced. So if Jesus was influenced, we can be influenced too. Once again, I don't totally get this but it's there, so chew on it with me. <laughs> favor with men does not mean that everyone likes you. Favor with men doesn't mean that you do only the things that other people are doing. It doesn't mean that you um, compromise because other people are compromising. But it does mean that time and time again, God is going to use people to help you accomplish your God-given assignment and mission. If you don't have favor with man, you won't have help from man to accomplish what you have to do. And remember, we're in community. No one would have been there to lay hands on Saul if he had been like this dude that said, get away, I'm not listening to you. I know about my connection with God. I have the whole entire Torah memorized. No, he was with people. Check it out, he was called 13 years ago to go do the thing that they laid hands on him and go do. 
13 years ago, he was called by a vision of Jesus himself to go and share the gospel with the Gentiles, but he waited for 13 years for hands to be laid on him and for him to be sent off. <laughs> I just don't even have anything to say. Like, it's awesome. I want to tell you a couple more personal stories, but I want to show you another example of this, okay? Um, Galatians 1. This isn't going to be on the screen either. Galatians 1, 11 and 12. Listen to this. For I would have, this is Paul speaking. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel that Paul preached, he did not learn from a person. A revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay, well, let's skip over to chapter 2 and listen to what Paul says. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. So Paul receives a revelation from Jesus himself. He's emphatic. This was not from man. God told me to do this. And then he goes to the people who would have, if anybody is Paul's leader at this point, it is Peter and James and John, the people who lived and breathed and walked with Jesus for years. And he says, here's the revelation I have. What do you guys think? I want to make sure that I'm not working in vain. I want to make sure that this really is the Lord, what I've been doing and what he's told me to do. I want to make sure this is really God. Will you guys speak into it? He wasn't paying them lip service. Mm. He was submitting his revelation to other people. In 1 Thessalonians 5, um, chapter chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, here's what it says. Thessalonians is always moving around in my Bible. It's never in the same place. (laughs) 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 and 21. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from evil, every form of evil. It's the tension, man. It's don't despise what God has said to you. Be radical according to what the Lord has put on your heart. But by the way, test it. (laughs) Test it. Get other people to speak in. Check with the word and make sure it's consistent. Your decision is consistent with the word. Test it. It's an invitation to us. Look, this should be peace to our heart and minds that we don't need to do it alone. That we don't have any hills to die on except for that Jesus is the son of God that he came, born of a virgin, rose from the dead, and sent the Holy Spirit here, okay? Those are the things that I am uninfluenceable about. You cannot influence me there. I will never change my stance on that, no matter who tells me otherwise. But pretty much everything else, I'm like, in varying degrees, 99% or less certain of. Because I want to keep a heart that is open to counsel, a heart that is open to other people's feedback, a heart that lets other people speak in. Now, dude, God is faithful to prove what he wants you to do to you. I have a friend who just got a new awesome job, 
and he was considering trying to figure out to take it or not. And he wakes up one morning and he has a text from another friend in another city who doesn't know anything about his situation. And his friend goes, hey, I just feel like God's about to bless you with something new. And I feel like it has to do with your work. He's gonna bless you with something new in your work. Amazing, awesome confirmation. Don't despise that, okay? We need to like, we need to do things based off of a word from the Lord. We have to have that fortitude and that radicalness. But we can't let go of the other side either, you know? So here's a couple things. I want to tell you how I met my wife. Um, so favor from God. It's whatever God has said to you, and then Scripture supports it or at least doesn't contradict it. Okay? You have a word from the Lord, and then you make sure that you have favor with God with this word, meaning like you receive the word, and you're like, I want to make sure this word is right, and here's how you do it. Scripture supports it, or at least it doesn't contradict it. God speaks extra biblical things to us, but he does not speak unbiblical things to us. Get a ton of counsel when you do something extra biblical, but that's okay. This book isn't meant to contain every experience that will ever happen. It's just meant to give us a roadmap and guidelines and make it clear for us what is for sure not God and what is God, you know? So favor from God looks like this. Scripture supports it or at least doesn't contradict it. And then here's how this gets unhealthy. Legalism or disobedience because of fear. You can get unhealthy seeking favor from God when you get stuck in legalism. When you're like, I gotta do it, I gotta do it, I gotta do it. It said it once in there to do it, so I'm gonna do it every day. Ah. That's what I was talking about freedom from, obsessive thoughts and legalism. That's an area I struggle, that I'm constantly, Lord, rip that out of me. I don't want to perform for you. I just want to be. I just want to be blah, 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 blah. Um, okay, now favor from man. Here's what it looks like. People who share your values, remember I talked about values earlier, and are able to be impartial are in support. So two key things. They are sharing your values and they're able to be impartial. You have that type of confidence in them. Now, let me tell you where this, still, there can be a hang-up, there can be a snag here. Sometimes family or friends still won't support your next step, but this is what I wrote down, okay? Like on Monday when I was thinking about all this. Here's what I wrote down. If family or friends are in support of your next step, you should at least try your best to understand why they're not in support. Just understand why. And then you'll realize, okay, maybe I, I was misunderstanding or I was missing something. It just gives you more, more room to receive good counsel. And it also gives you more room to be confident that you're doing the right thing no matter what those people are saying to you that are wrong. But you can't know for sure they're wrong unless you, and this is the inner circle. Again, this is not just everybody. This is those people you've chosen. I want you to influence me. I want to understand why, okay? I don't agree, but I really want to understand why you're saying what you're saying. Does that make sense? Those are my boundaries for us, okay? Favor with God, it looks like a word from the Lord or scripture, and then we make sure that we're not misinterpreting scripture or misinterpreting the word. But then favor with man, it looks like input from people who share our values and are able to be impartial. But if you still aren't getting favor with those people, they're still not agreeing, then at least understand why, and then you'll be able to move forward with confidence, okay? So I met my wife in this church when I was like in sixth grade or something like that. And she was in, she's two years younger than me. So she's in fourth grade. So I was slightly creepy. Um, and I meet her. I'm like, she's cute. And like a year goes by or something like that. She gets into middle school. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is chill now. I can you know, ask her out. And I really don't think I thought that much about it, honestly. But um, I... 
I try and go on a date with her. It doesn't work. Obviously, you shouldn't let your son go take your daughter. Obviously, as a father, John, my wife's um, father, no, you may not take my daughter to see the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> okay? So that was a no. And then years go by, and um, we reconnect in college, and we become friends, and house group, the, the ministry of this church that represents community for this church, is just like doing awesome, and it's so successful. And I was kind of like a serial kisser and a serial dater growing up, like just kissed everybody, dated everybody, always playing the field, and not a good thing, you know? But I, um, I've just, this relationship I was in doesn't go anywhere. And I'm like, Lord, I'm just going to put, like, dating and all this on the shelf. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm going to put it on the shelf. About a month goes by, and I'm just kind of praying. I'm like, but, Lord, when the right one does come, I want to be able to recognize her, okay? <laughs> so I'm just kind of praying and talking to the Lord. And I felt like he highlighted three things to me. Um, prophetic, has a worshiping heart, and loves ministry. And it was like a combination of God speaking that to me and my own heart kind of talking about like what I valued and what I wanted. And um, sure enough, that, so that was like earlier in the week. A week later or that very Friday, I'm watching my then, you know, just friend lead worship at house group. And she's just getting it, you know? It's like powerful worship. She's prophesying over people and it's just, and she's so dedicated. She's one of the top leaders in the group. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been blind for so long. Like, I wanna go back to that girl in middle school that I liked. I'm gonna ask her out again, you know? And I was a little scarred because Jen had, like, you know, months prior to this, we were at Luke's house, the other executive pastor of this church, swimming. And I was, and there was all kinds of just like flirtatious tension between Jen and I always, my wife. And I was just messing with her. I was like, Jen, let's just date, you know? So this is all happening before I um, heard God, like, kind of show me what I was supposed to look for in a wife. And let's just date. And Jen just, for some reason, she was having a bad hair day. She's like, Wilson, I will, it's in front of everybody. I'm in my uh, swimsuit, okay? And she's wearing a bikini, so it's just that much more vulnerable, you know? <laughs> she goes, Wilson, I will never, ever, ever, ever date you. <laughs> and I was just like, what? Like, <laughs> I was just joking around. Why are you doing that to me right now? Like, I don't even like you. <laughs> Well, fast forward six months or whatever, I watch her lead worship. I'm just like, this is the girl. I'm in love with her. I had all kinds of doubts about it. Uh, a big one was, I will never, ever, 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 ever date you, you know? <laughs> like, a little bit of doubt, you know, going on there. But so I, I'm at dinner one night. I'm about to, Luke's about to pick me up. We're going to, this sh going to a show that Jen and Amanda and other people are going to be at. And I'm like, God, tell my mom, I like Jen. Like, I think I want to ask her out, but blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, do it. She's awesome. She's perfect for you. You should do it for sure. And they reassured me and encouraged me to do it. Hop in the car with Luke. And I, for some reason, I was just nervous to tell Luke that. But I told him, and he's like, dude, that's a great idea, blah, 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 and we just kind of talk about it, and honestly, Luke was like considering the leadership dynamics I would have on house group if I dated another leader, and blah, 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 and then he's like, okay, it's a good idea, you should do it, and um, he was just for me, but then still, you know, I have that, I have PTSD at this time from I will never, ever, 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 ever date you, 
So I ask Amanda, I'm like, Amanda, should I ask Jen out? And she's like, yes, you should ask her out. She loves you. She's always talking about you. Whenever we're hanging out, when you leave, she's always like, Will is so great. I like Will. <laughs> and so bang, the next day I give Jen a ride um, to work after church. I'm like, hey, I really like you. Um, I want to marry you. And she's like, blah. And, uh, <laughs> and here we are, okay? Six years later, married. So man, we're gonna, it's 11 right now. So I'd ask you if you have kids, go grab them, but I'm gonna end here, okay? But we really do need to honor the child workers. So here's what I'm trying to say. I got favor with man, the people that mattered to me, my parents and, um, and Luke, I got them on board with me and, and the Lord had spoken to me and then I went for it. Best decision I've ever made. So I just wanna encourage you guys, seek to have favor with God and man. Don't let go of one side, don't let go of the other. Seek to have favor with God and man. Will you stand up? I just wanna pray for us. So Jesus, we love you. We wanna live in this radical tension of receiving powerful revelation from you, God. I release powerful revelation over the room right now to hear your voice and to make, have discernment for decision-making. But Lord, I pray you'd give us wisdom and grace to find favor with the right people and to let the right people in. Give us so much wisdom to let the right people in, God. And right now, I just pray that you'd remove, excuse me, I pray you'd remove the wrong people from people's life right now. Remove them from that circle and give courage to people in this room to remove the wrong people. Removing doesn't mean being mean. It just means don't ask them for their opinion about big decisions anymore. I just release wisdom for you for that, and I just bless you all in Jesus' name.